follow. This morning's first reading comes from Psalm 63, 1 through 8, which can be found in your pew Bible on page 899. This is a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Hiding from his enemies in the barren wilderness of Judah, David was intensely lonely. He longed for a friend. He could not trust to ease his loneliness. He wondered, he cried out, Oh God, you are my God. Listen to the words of the Lord. You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land there was no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be so fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. <clears throat> Praise be to God. Because of it. 
We continue to be grateful to the music ministry of our church, to the choir, and to the bells for leading us in worship this day. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Friends, let us continue listening for a word from God this day. Now, there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it but it did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, Then cut it down. Friends, these two are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, who is always with us, be with us this day. Stop the to-do list that continue to run through our minds. Calm our hearts that are heavy with anxiety. And open us up. Open us to receive your word to us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So I have a bit of a mixed relationship with figs. On the one hand, I recently discovered this fig butter from Trader Joe's that I'm currently obsessed with in my house. And on the other hand, a fig brings to mind skinned knees. See, when I was younger, we had, our neighbor had this fig tree that just happened to be this hill where my sister and I would ride our scooters in the driveway. Well, this was the first time that scooters were cool. And I remember the first year that we lived there, a, a net appeared on the tree and we had never seen a net on the tree before, so we thought that was weird. Then we learned that it was a fig tree, and this fig tree must have been the most fertile fig tree in the entire world (laughs) because there were too many figs to harvest, so the, the ones that remained on the tree after the neighbor had picked them, well, they fell down right onto that little hill where my sister and I liked to ride our scooters. Now, rotting figs on the ground with scooters and those little gel wheels. We fell and skinned our knees a lot. I can't tell you how many times I went sobbing to my parents that my knees were beat up, that my hands were beat up from where I had fallen 
on those stupid figs on the ground. <laughs> I wanted them to cut that tree down, but that's not quite how it works, is it? I think this parable about the fig tree is interesting because it points us to possibility. That gardener is hopeful, even though the landowner wants to cut that tree down. In the first verses that we read this morning, the disciples are asking these big questions. I imagine they are all gathered around and it's late at night and they're having these really deep conversations about the state of this world and they're attempting to to solve all of the problems in the world. They land on this one question, why do bad things happen in the world? I've been asking that question a lot myself lately. So it was a common belief at the time that if something bad happened to you, you or someone in your family must have done something to deserve that. This theory of just deserts. These two tragic things had happened in their world where people died at the hands of Pilate and then the tower fell. And they're trying to make sense of the insensible. They come to Jesus expecting him to verify their very steeply held beliefs that people suffer because they are sinful. But Jesus doesn't do that, does he? Instead, he asks them a different question. He asks them, do you think the suffering of these Galileans proves they were more sinful than all the other Galileans? Do you think they were more guilty than everyone else in Jerusalem? And both times the answer is no. He invites them to turn towards something else, to repent. The bad things did not happen because someone deserved it. That's not who God is or how God works. And Jesus explains that by telling them that story about a fig tree. This landowner is getting frustrated because that tree is not producing any fruit. He sees scarcity and wants to cut it down because, after all, it's taking up valuable space and the nutrients from the soil that could go to a plant that would make fruit. He tells the gardener to cut it down to create space for something else to grow there. But the gardener sees this unnourished and ignored and dismissed plant, and the gardener sees life. The gardener raises their hand and volunteers to tend to this tree, to get their hands dirty in the fertilizer, to dig around it in the hopes that one day it can bear fruit. In telling this story when bad and unthinkable things happen, Jesus doesn't explain why those things happen. Instead, he invited them to ask a different question. What do I do? Friends, it's not hard to look out and see unfathomable, awful things that have happened in our world recently. The pandemic. This week, I realized that it was two years ago this past week that the session of the church gathered and made that decision to not worship together. It was two weeks ago that Alan and I stood right around there where Sean and Denise are sitting, and we filmed that devotional in what was a construction zone, thinking that we would disband for 
for two weeks and then we would all come back together and, and COVID would be over. Or there's also the, the climate crisis that we're all living in and contributing to whether we try to or not. Or there's wondering why, why cancer plagues such good and faithful people and why some people seem to be cured and others are not. Or there's tragic accidents that seem to happen all the time. Or there's the war that Russia has waged on Ukraine this past month. I've recently gotten into this new routine when I get to work in the mornings where I sit in my office and I drink my cup of coffee in quiet for the first 10 to 15 minutes of my day. And while I'm sitting there, I like to read through the, the New York Times daily briefing. So on Thursday, I sat down on my couch with my cup of coffee in hand, and I started to read through the day's briefing. They had just received a dispatch from two Associated Press reporters who were in Maripol, which was unusual for them. Maripol is a city in Ukraine that's been under siege for just over two and a half weeks now, and so that dispatch was the focus of the briefing that day. It told these unfathomable stories. Stories of an 18-month-old who had a shrapnel injury that their body couldn't take. It told a story of a six-year-old still wearing these cartoon pajamas. And a 16-year-old who was playing soccer at their school when the ground exploded beneath her feet. Then it shared that all of these people, their bodies were hastily put into a mass grave because for the workers, the less time they could spend out in the open, the better their own chance of survival would be. The briefing that day told how the city's resources are almost depleted with residents drinking melting snow as their water. And it told these stories about how some new parents are choosing to leave the hospital without their babies because they might have a better chance of survival where there's electricity in the hospital. I didn't think I was much of a crier, but to say that I sat in my office Thursday morning and cried, well, that would be an understatement. I weeped and I sobbed. I prayed. I asked how God could let such atrocious things happen and continue to happen. What could these people have possibly done to deserve this? Why can't they just be safe? Why hasn't it stopped? And where could God possibly be in that tragedy? Why? Then a few hours later, after I had um, composed myself again, I sat down to, to work on today's sermon. I read this Luke passage where the disciples are looking to Jesus to explain to them why bad things are happening in the world. And Jesus doesn't explain. He tells them that story about a fig tree. Friends, I don't know why bad things happen in the world. 
I don't know why people get cancer, and I don't know why some people are cured and some aren't. I don't know why the ocean and the, the temperatures continue to rise, and I don't know why these tensions between Russia and Ukraine are the way they are. I don't know how this is the way that it is. But maybe asking why isn't the point. Maybe the point is this, is that when we ask why, Jesus says, go. Our job as God's creation isn't to know why bad things happen in the world. It's to go where there is hurting. It's to pick up the spade in one hand and the fertilizer in the other hand and to get to work cultivating the goodness and the beautiful things that are surely in this world still. It is to see a lifeless and unnourished fig tree and say maybe one more year and this will produce fruit. And friends, I see us doing that as a church. We as a church were responsive to the significant needs both in our church family with the neighborhood care coordinators and to the needs of this community with the COVID Community Relief Fund. I, seeing, uh, I see us caring for creation by taking the time to learn about this beautiful part of the world that we live in when the upper room was full on Wednesday night as you all came together to learn about the Okefenokee Swamp that is not actually a swamp but a bog. I see us going when there's opportunities to give and to share our financial resources with organizations like the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance who have partners already on the ground in Eastern and Central Europe who are working to receive refugees as they are desperate to escape. Friends, I see us going and I hope that with all of my being, in these times that are bleak and despairing and there is suffering that is unexplainable and unfathomable, I hope this church will continue to be a people who garden. I hope we continue to be gardeners. In one of the commentaries that I read this week, there was this beautiful line about how we are ministers, not messiahs. Ministers go out into the world and share God's love and God's light. Messiahs save the world. Messiahs create the light. They're two different things. I couldn't help but think about us as a, a Presbyterian denomination in that when you look on the back of the bulletin and you see who the leaders of the church are, it says ministers, all members of the church. That's fundamental to who we are as Presbyterians. Friends, God has called you too. God has called us all to go. To go where there is hurting in the world and to speak love, to speak truth, and to speak hope. So on this day, when the world certainly is bleak, may we be beacons of light, beacons of hope. Because when we ask why, Jesus says to us, go. Friends, may we go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.